we seem less and less capable to predict or affect any of them. In most Western democracies, there's a broad consensus about the best way to order social, economic and political life. A set of received wisdoms about how to deal with the challenges we face. There are disagreements on the details and implementation, of course, but since the Second World War, the main questions have been practically settled. A nation-state with a single legal system managed by officials and professional political parties elected through representative democracy who determine what its citizens can see, do, buy and put in their bodies. An economy based on private ownership and free but controlled markets and public services funded by forced general taxation. Human rights protect citizens who are free to practice whatever religious beliefs they wish as long as those beliefs and practices do not harm others. This set of ideas is sometimes called the Overton Window, or the broad ideas that the majority of the public accept as respectable and normal. It was named after the American political scientist Joseph Overton, who described the range of policies that both left- and right-wing politicians needed to support if they wanted to get elected. Superficial deviations are fine, but anything outside that window is too unusual, unworkable, unrealistic to be accepted by the public. Too radical. The Overton window has barely moved for years. When I started this audiobook in late 2014, there were signs that it was beginning to widen. Fewer people were voting, and those who did bother were drifting away from the centre-right and especially centre-left parties towards the edges. There is even a word for this collapse of the centre. Pasokification, after the once dominant Greek Social Democratic Party, PASOK, whose public support fell from 45% to 4% in 2015, a pattern mirrored in several other countries. According to various surveys, citizens' trust in elected officials, parliament, the justice system and even democracy itself had been falling steadily for years and was at record lows. People born in 1980 were far less likely than those born in 1960 to think of living in a democracy as essential. It appeared that a new political space was beginning to open up. People were starting to look for change. They were beginning to listen to those who did not agree with the accepted consensus. They were beginning to listen to radicals. Radicals is a term used to describe people who advocate fundamental social or political reform. The word radical comes from the Latin radix, meaning root. It describes those who think that something is desperately wrong with modern society and believe they know how to fix it. Today, radical ideas and movements are on the rise. In streets, halls, fields, chat rooms and even parliaments, more and more people are trying to change the world. And for the last two years, I've tried to find them. Life on the political fringes can be difficult and sometimes extremely dangerous, but it's also exciting. 
I've been across California campaigning with a transhumanist running for president, invaded and shut down the UK's largest coal mine, been attacked by Danish anarchists, marched the streets and pubs with anti-immigration activists on a Europe-wide jaunt, joined the Psychedelic Society in a search for oneness, sat in mosques and listened to imams rail against Islamic State, and got within a few watery metres of setting foot on the world's newest and freest country, before the Croatian police attempted to capsize my boat. I've discovered why free love is the route to world peace, tackled the absurdities of setting up a new political party, and learned what my chances are of living to be 150. I now know the exact difference between aggravated trespass and trespass, between psilocybin and LSD, and between anarchists, anarcho-capitalists, and crypto-anarchists.